Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. It is Tuesday, July 4th, Independence Day, and the Wise Guys, Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler. Uh, we're on the tail end of a wild weekend of big news for BYU football and s- the sports all together, and then all the fireworks and stuff, and, and uh, it's just an awesome time of year, especially in Provo, Utah. Yeah, when you combine a weekend where BYU officially gets into the Big 12 and all kinds of celebrations around that, and then all of those celebrations just fed right into... All of the 4th of July festivities, you were involved in that, uh, uh, emceeing the Stadium of Fire with the flyovers. and It was so good. I mean, good. What, what a weekend. And I don't know that there's a better place in the United States to be than Provo, Utah on Independence Day weekend, let alone when BYU celebrating and ushering in a brand new era. I don't think, I, th- I think of two great weekends. There was September uh, 10th. Uh, two years ago when BYU was invited to join the Big 12, and then the next day they beat Utah. That was a huge weekend, mm-hmm. one of the biggest ever. And then you fast forward to this past weekend where it's the official invite to the Big 12 and the Big 12 party on Friday night and into Saturday, and we were over there with, with everybody on BYU TV Saturday afternoon. And then Saturday night the stadium is full uh, for Stadium of Fire. The next time the stadium's that full will be the season opener. That's right. And it's all jammed into this weekend where you're like it's one it's great to be alive and two can you believe all this is happening yeah if you didn't if you're not excited um and and still feeling a little bit of a buzz of energy from this last weekend then you just didn't participate <laughs> yeah come on right? out of the house so, but, but we're glad you're here participating with us yeah as as many of you are every single week we're grateful for that make sure you follow us on youtube um uh, we will put the link in the chat mm-hmm. today so that you can hit subscribe it's free to subscribe Go and click on the little bell, and then you get notifications whenever you know we're posting something or something new or we're going live, whatever. It just keeps you up to date. The more subscribers we get, the longer we get to do the show. Um, we're also live on Facebook, Twitch, and YSGuys.com. Don't, don't forget about YSGuys.com. That's home is, base. That's your gateway to everything that we do. You can go back and find old, old you know, Shows from a year ago, if you want to. That's right. We've been on more than a year Highlights and shows and all the links that you need to everything is at ysguys.com. There's interviews there. Uh, Each week we drop some names. Danny Ainge, Marie Osmond, Jimmer Fredette, Sherry Dew, who was with us last week, Ty Detmer, Kyle Van Noy, Jay Hill, Justin Enna, Gennaro Guilford, Sione Puha, Kelly Popinga, Fessy Sataki, rolling through the the assistant coaches, Harvey Unga, former governor, of Utah, Gary Herbert, you've made the list. It's like the who's yeah, who list. Yeah. Congratulations. And, and a whole lot more at wiseguys.com, ysguys.com. It's a little bit different. We want you to, uh, we love when you join the live stream and let us know where you're viewing our show from. So please continue to do that. Uh, we've got our live host there. It's the 4th of July and it's at night. And so we've taken a couple liberties to jam all of our information into this show that we taped just a little bit earlier so that we're not actually live with you tonight so we can be with our families and so that you can watch this show anytime during the week right. and still get the very latest in what's going on with what matters to us in our leisure, which is BYU. Of course, if, if you're... Uh 
Corey Yoshimura over in Japan, and it's it's the next day anyhow, and you're watching from work. Um, we're, we're glad that you're on live, and the live chat will be up, and you guys can yeah. talk with one another like you always do, and always uh, you can go down and download the podcast if you want to get on your bike and put the AirPods, what are they called, AirPods in, and yeah. and go ride and listen to the show. We're just grateful to have you. Make sure you follow us on ysguys.com as well, and subscribe to get our weekly email. That has highlights from all the stuff, so... We're grateful for all of you that they have so many that have been with us from the very, very beginning, and we're grateful for them and for the new folks and that are joining up. We're with expanding, us. we're conquering the world. We have some big things coming here in this short future that we're eager to tell you about uh, as we get there. And uh, and on the Fourth of July and the Fourth of July week, um, it just gets us to stop and think how grateful um, we can be, and we can be much more grateful than we are for all those who have. Uh, uh, sacrifice their lives defending the country, those who currently defend it, those who will defend it um, in the future. This is just a celebration of life. And, and we have uh, coming up on our show, we'll go over some key events that happen on this day. You know, at the end of each show, we do this day in history. Man, there's a lot that have to do with the July 4th, of course. And we're also going to discuss which sporting event left you feeling the most patriotic in your life, not just you know, uh, there was a flyover before a game or whatever, but just, and we could go Olympics, we can go baseball, we can go whatever. Um, so think about that. And we're going to talk about it a little later as appropriate for today. I was thinking about it this morning, uh, which event left me feeling like, you know, the red, white, and blue, not just blue and white, you know, but red, white, and blue for the country because sports is so important to our fabric. It, it, it really is. I, I've been a little bit reflective this weekend because, um, as we mentioned last week on the show, I had just returned from Croatia last mm -hmm. week. And uh, it was really evident to me that when we were in Croatia that the people of Croatia are so grateful for freedom. Now, remember, they just fought a war for their freedom that ended in 1996. So they have very recent history where they became independent and have freedom. And they, they talk about democracy and freedom. And uh, whenever you mention, they say, they hear us speak English. And then they go, are, are you from America? They don't say the United States. They say America. And we go, yeah, we're from America. And they go, oh, we love America. And to them, America is a symbol of freedom. And right. remember, America's been, since that war in 96, America's been their ally with, with NATO. And they felt safe and secure and like they have freedom there. And they were so grateful and voiced that to us for this great country. It made me think, man, we, we're right here. We need to be a little more grateful. Yeah, even with all our issues, and we got a lot. Yes, we do. We don't have those issues. Nope. We, we, this is a special yeah. place that allows us to still, for the most part, do what we want. Well, we, in the, and the song says the, the UN, United States stands for freedom. It still does, and, yeah. and, and all over the world. It, it certainly in Croatia it does. It made me reflect a little bit on that. It was really, really cool to get some perspective from another country. Um, and they value freedom like nobody else because it's so such a short part of their history, recent history. And they look to the United States for the beacon of that, which I thought was really cool. Isn't that ironic that uh, as we celebrate our independence, we also celebrate BYU's dependence? Yes. Because they're no longer independent. You want by dependence in the Big football. 12. You want dependence yeah. in football. There is, uh, there is comfort in numbers and uh, a commissioner and, and someone who tells you who you're going to play and all that stuff. That's okay. That's okay to have in football. And uh, so we got a lot of that to talk about today. Coming off of red, white, and blue 
weekend for for BYU football. Commissioner Brett Yormark had a lot to say about the Cougars and uh, in the Big 12. We got a couple of his paragraphs that um, that he delivered last week on BYU Sports Nation we want to talk about. Yeah, and how about reducing the transfer portal windows um, to a shorter period of time? Is that a good idea? Yeah, I'm curious to get your opinion on that. It seems like it is, but we'll uh, we'll dive into that yeah, one. Yeah, for sure. And the beauty of July is NFL training camps open up here in a couple of weeks. It's not next month anymore. It is this month right. that football returns. And, uh, and we'll look at the dates where you can see Jaron Hall and Pukunakua suit up for the Vikings and Rams. So that's coming up. But let's start with some headlines. BYU's in the Big 12. President Shane Reese on Saturday out at the Stadium of Fire was talking to him. He went out and helped to give away tickets to, mm-hmm. to, to some road games. And, and so we visited backstage a little bit. And he said his words were, it, you can feel the excitement all over campus. It's not just, hey, this is big over here in the sports building. It is all over campus, this, this move into the Big 12. You, and I think BYU's promotions and marketing and all of that, sports marketing, did a phenomenal job yeah. this weekend. Of um, The fans wanted it to be a big deal. Obviously, yeah. they wanted it to be a b- big deal. And David Alamadova, and who's been on this show with us, mm-hmm. and his crew provided the fans with what they were just looking for. So Friday night, they have this countdown to the Big 12. It was almost like midnight madness in college yeah. basketball, where the fans came out, and at the stroke of midnight, when it became official, they had fireworks, and they lit the Y, and they had music. and They had over 1,000 fans show up at midnight on Friday night to, to celebrate, and it was a big-time party. It was a. Um, I watched. I watched on the BYU TV app on my phone while I was watching the fireworks out my window because I, I figured, well, we got to be on for two hours the next day. I should watch this so we can talk about it. And um, you can just feel the buzz. And something funny. Um, we were at Stadium of Fire rehearsals earlier that night, and I was talking to the guys over there, and I go, "Hey, if you don't know." Tonight at midnight, if you're still here at the stadium, there's going to be fireworks going off. I just want you guys to know they're not your fireworks. <laughs> because why? it's coming from the same area. If you're over there working on something, all of a sudden your fireworks are going off at midnight on Friday night, you're thinking someone broke in and set off the fireworks. Yeah, something's going wrong here. This isn't good. <laughs> so we prepped them. Uh, but they were cool. It was a short show, but it was midnight. And we don't do that in Provo. That just hasn't and, happened, and, except for New Year's Eve. And then I wondered, is that too much? You do a Friday night late. Then are people going to show up for that big? I don't know what. To describe it other than a giant fan festival yeah. on Saturday for three hours. And they did. And it was hot. They, but they showed up by the thousands at the student-athlete building out on the practice fields. They had all kinds of activities planned and live band. We did a live show there for two hours from right. three to five. Interviewed all kinds of coaches and players. And um, there was a tangible energy and atmosphere there that was really cool. And it was it was fun. We did some interviews where we found out We've been talking about this on this show and on others about what programs are ready to move into the Big 12 and compete right away for championships, what's, what may take some time. We discussed that in the show. Yeah. Um, and you can go back on BYU TV into the archives and look at that show if you want. But I loved having Jen Rockwood and uh, um, you know our women's soccer coach and uh, Diljeet uh, Taylor, the women's track and field and cross-country coach. Amber Whiting, Amber basketball. Whiting, the basketball coach. Having them on and talk about, along with... Fessy Sataki from Tom BYU Football. Homo. Tom Homo. But, but Diljeet and Jen, um, I love that they just confidently said, we've been playing at a national level with national relevance for a decade. 
So plans don't change for us. We still plan on being right up at the top of the national rankings. Yeah, they're not out looking for a whole new different player. Right. You know, an athlete. They, they have the athlete. It's business as usual. The one thing that Diljeet said that, that kind of hit home with me was she said, the one thing that this does for us is because the Big 12 is a little deeper, um, they're competing at a higher level more often during the run-up to nationals. Right. And she, so, so, so she says, you know, we've been, they're right there competing for a national championship in cross-country this fall again, they will be, like they are every single fall, right? Along with the men's cross-country team. And she's saying during the rigors of the conference season, they'll be in more big-time situations where their athletes will have to perform under pressure. And perhaps they're a little bit more prepared for the big stage, and they do just a little bit better in nationals. Not, not that they're not one of the top two teams in the country already, but, but this, she says, maybe something will help them. And I never even thought about that, that day-to-day competition will help. They're already... Yeah. National title contenders, but a better league will help them. And Women's soccer is the first one out of the gate to play right. TCU. Best team in the Big 12 last year against the best team in the WCC from last year. Now meeting together as old foes from the Mountain West. Uh, but that's their the Big 12 opener in soccer. And then women's volleyball is right behind that. And then a few weeks later, we've got football. Remember, BYU came out of last fall in the Director's Cup. They give you points for championships and all those things. BYU came out of the fall season the number one overall program in the country. And they finished in the top 20 again, like they always do, overall programs. But fall is where BYU really shines with those women's sports. And um, and and it'll be interesting to see now that they're in the conference, are they still right up there at the top of the rankings after the fall season in the Director's Cup? Yeah. I think they will be. They um, got I, a shot. I, they have a shot. Don't, don't you love the candor of Jen Rockwood, the women's soccer coach? Um, we asked her. On, on that show. And she's going to be on this show uh, later in the month. Right. But you ask coaches, what game are you most excited about in schedule? Can you pick one out? And then we have a hard time. Fessy's like Sam Houston. Yeah, every, it's always the first game, right? <laughs> you know, they're all big. Every conference game is big. They give you coach speak. And and sometimes when we get them on this show, we get them out here long enough, they'll go, well, I'm really excited about playing at yeah, Texas. Right. Or, you know, but, but Jen, we asked her, and she immediately goes, well, TCU. Yeah. For first conference, and she mentioned a couple of other TCU, first conference game. They're the best team in their conference. We're the best team coming from the other conference. Right. They're both nationally relevant programs. Yeah, I want to see how we go in that one. She didn't make any bones about it. She no. just picked a game. That's what I. That's what I want to hear. I right? love it. I want to hear. I love. I, it. I want to hear Kalani say this one. Yeah, but he's not going to. He's right. not going to say that one. But would love it if he did. But we we appreciate uh, Jen laying that out. Also over the weekend, and it was kind of like. Uh, uh, just a matter of fact, almost like piling on. You know, life is so much better now moving forward in the Big 12. The Big 12 TV deal was officially finalized on Friday. That contract with Fox and ESPN will run from 2025 to 2031. And during the first two years of BYU in the Big 12, meaning this fall and next fall for the most part, uh, they'll get about 18 to 19 roughly million dollars uh, along with the other three new partners. Um, and then when the new TV deal comes in is when full, you know, full revenue membership share. revenue yeah. share comes in. And now they're talking, and that they're talking 50 million a year annually. Right. And that's, and that can be augmented by other things, right? Yeah. So if you, you get, get more, more teams in the tournament, you get more dollars, you get like, so there's all these additional revenue streams. And if that league's as good as they have been, that's this kind of starting point, 50 million bucks. And then some, how about that? That's pretty good. Considering what have you been operating on? 10? Probably, 12, maybe, yeah, from yeah, ESPN? Yeah. 12 might be a, a liberal assessment. Uh, and you're, you're getting five times that. Five well, and, times that. And add to that the excitement. Like, how many more games in the Marriott Center are going to be 
sold out with the likes of Kansas and Kansas State and Baylor and all of these schools rolling through. So your ticket revenue is going to be up. Um, the higher demand for tickets. Booster Cougar Club revenue will Fo- be up. Football, you know, you get to November and it gets to be a cold afternoon and maybe people go, I'll just stay home and watch it on TV. Not when Oklahoma's rolling into town, you're not. No. You're, you're, go- you're there. You don't care how cold it is in November. <laughs> in fact, you want it to be cold yeah, you're, for them. You're right. You're showing up all bundled up, and you're selling that stadium out in, in, in November. Because you got something be- to play because for. Because you got Oklahoma coming, and it's a conference foe. And so, yeah. so add to that a, a big increase in ticket revenue. I imagine along with that, when you have more people around, you have more revenue from uh, sales of gear and concessions and all of those things. So for BYU, this is a huge boost. And you need that huge boost to compete at that level. DJ uh, is going to put up uh, a graphic of the new, what, configuration for Lavelle Edwards Stadium as far as uh, what they're going to do down on the field. Yeah. On the podcast, you can uh, you can go to BYUtv.org, uh, BYUcougars.com and see it. We'll explain it to you. But here on the live stream tonight, you can see you got royal blue in both end zones. Fully painted in with white letters, BYU. And then you got the stretch Y in Royal at midfield, surrounded by white. Those big 12 logos will be there as well. Now, this is a different approach because we've usually just painted in the end zones for the last game because of the wear and tear on the grass. Uh, that's not how it's going to be anymore. You know what we got to do before we get to the season is bring in the field guys and say, hey, how are you doing this? Because the graphic... Looks awesome. Yeah. If they can keep that end zone royal blue like that all season long, you'll want to be in the end zone with a football. I'm, I'm all about royal. I'm to me it, to me royal is BYU's color. Yeah, you know, I and it's Kalani feels the same way. He and I have talked about it. I know he's made it public that he feels like that's BYU's color, royal blue. And for marketing purposes, because people don't wear royal as they much do as wear they wear navy. navy, and there's black and in there's there. There's been the navy, and they've added other and and it's fun to change up. It's fun to have a you know a, a all out blackout uniform night. Right. Um, th- those are all fun things. But in the end, BYU to me is royal. So I love that the end zones are royal, and that that Y in the middle of the field is royal. Just think how sharp that's going to look on September second. It's a late game. We anticipate Jets, which will set the tone. Team runs out. I don't care if it's Sam Houston or or the or the the Houston uh, uh, NFL team. It doesn't matter who yeah. it is. It's the Texans. The or Texans. The, or the, it's yeah. that night where the team runs out and the and the field's painted in royal, and uh, it's just going to be and picturesque. Have, their uniforms are going to have a big big twelve. I don't know. Probably right here. Don't they usually have the Seems conference? Seems like it, right over the Either right shoulder. there. There'll probably be a, a shoulder uh, patch that'll have the Big 12 on that. And just in the, just that real. moment, you have goosebumps. It's the real. band's playing, the fireworks are well, on the, and in the air. And as you mentioned, I'm, I'm excited. I want to go to that very first soccer match, which is the first contest to be played in right. Big 12, um, and see those Big 12 patches on the on the soccer unis. Yeah, it's, it's just going to be a lot of firsts, which, you know, you don't get to do that very much in life. Um, just a lot of firsts about something you love. And we're in that spot where you're joining a power five conference, um, with some of the biggest names in college football, and they're all happy that you're there. And so it's the first, this, then it's, then Cincinnati's the first conference game. And then Texas tech is the first time they've ever been here. And then Oklahoma is the first time they've ever been all these firsts, uh, leading up to um, this this debut season. Um, and then the beauty of it is we get to come back next year. You right. know, it's not just a one and done. It's it's go in, get established, come back bigger and stronger, and, 
and then you go fight for a championship. It's, it, it's awesome. Two things that I, like kind of took me back this weekend. First was BYU's fan base is amazing. As I was walking out, we finished the show. I hung around for a little bit, walked around, and then I, I started to walk out, and I walked past a big um, map that was uh, on the field, and they were having people come up to the map and put a pin on where they came from. 47 of 50 states were represented at that fan festival on Saturday. That's crazy. I mean, we've always, we know BYU has a national fan base. Wherever they go, people come. International, for that matter. We find that out on this show. Right. But, but for them to come to the fan festival, now, it, it was perfect timing. That it was Fourth of July weekend. A lot of people make their way back to Provo because of the great Independence Day festivities here. But how about 47 states represented at that fan festival on Saturday? So that really took me back. And I'm like, yes, that reinforces everything we've that that we've thought, I thought that was cool. The other thing was I was following Twitter throughout the throughout the day. The great warm welcome from the existing schools in the Big Twelve, from the yeah. TCU's and the Baylor's, and the, from everybody with warm welcomes was really cool. In particular, I liked the creativity of TCU's where it said "Welcome to the new group chat," and it was almost like a Sports Center ad. And then it, it came and it was the frog, and he was sitting down there, and he had a little chat, and he was in a, he was adding Cosmo to the group chat, right? <laughs> so it. A lot of really cool, creative um, Twitter campaigns welcoming the new schools, and it feels like a conference that's excited to to have that you know that camaraderie and welcoming these new teams in. It's the opposite of what's going on in the Pac-12, and that's why BYU fans are so excited. Maybe like to rub the nose in it a little bit of the of uh, teams that have been in the Pac-12 that rub their nose in you know mm-hmm. in BYU's business over the last few years, but. Um, it's a you got a new TV deal. You you got you're going to exist. You got to survive. Iowa State's like, hey, we got to stay in the Big Twelve as opposed to it going away because Oklahoma and Texas left. Yeah, all the fears that are in the Pac-12 don't exist in the Big Twelve because of what the commissioner's done with the TV contract and getting these four schools and and going. Okay, you know what? No one wanted to lose Texas and Oklahoma. We get it, um, but this is what we replaced it with. Then you go over to the Pac-12. No one wanted to lose USC and UCLA. We get that. They left. We got no one to replace them with. And we're in trouble um, trying to find a And, and, they, a took, TV and they took so long on their TV deal. Yeah. The one thing I got to give your remark, he's been visionary. And he's been, he has not hesitated. He has gone out and just said, let's go. We, we got to do things. We got to be ahead of the game. We got to be on the front of the curve. And, you know, he put, put this TV deal together. Before the Pac-12 had a chance to even talk to their TV partners. And some of that revenue was that they wanted to tap into was gone already. Right. And so so now the Pac-12 is scrambling. And, you know, do I think they're going to land on their feet? We're going to talk about some news with San Diego State that, that maybe it means they're okay and they're winding something down. But it's certainly not going to be for the money that the Big 12 got. No. And it certainly isn't with the feeling that the Big 12 has right now. This family, camaraderie, here we go, long-term contract. Because we already know Oregon and Washington want to leave. Right. No matter what they sign to stay in the Pac-12 they if out. they do, they've already said, as soon as the Big Ten invites us, we're out. How do you form a relationship that's long-lasting with, uh, is that phone going to ring? Is, is today the day? Is this year the day that, that, that our league's going to fall apart? Well, and if, you're, and if you're a television partner and you know that's the case, do you want to invest big-time money no. through, 30, through 2031? No, not even to have that late night TV window that everyone talks about because you, you Big Twelve can play in that window too, right? Uh, but, but yeah, I, it's so the, so the optimism in the Big Twelve in contrast to the Pac Twelve 
um, is is night and day. And if the Pac-12 gets their TV deal and all that stuff, it'll level, it'll level back out, and, and we have you know five P5s playing football. Um, fine and great, but um, that's not where they are right now in the Pac-12, and this is where BYU is now in in the Big 12. And Commissioner Yarmack was on BYU Sports Nation, said some really interesting things, and I wrote a story up. In the Deseret News, you can read it at DeseretNews.com if you want the full article there. But we just picked a few paragraphs yeah. that we wanted to touch on today. Uh, moving forward, now that the news of being in the league is over, now we're it's Tuesday and, and we're in the league. Yeah. And so I, I thought some of these things warranted some of our uh, attention. Yeah, let, let's start with the question they asked uh, Commissioner Yormark about the BYU brand. And we've we known all along that BYU's brand, but you wondered outside, do they feel the same way we do? And Here's what uh, Commissioner Yormark said. He said, BYU is a national brand. They can become a household brand for sure. And we're going to help, help them like they help the conference. Um, if BYU wins, the conference wins. If the conference wins, BYU wins. I want ESPN and Fox to glamorize all of our programs. I'm confident that will happen with BYU. So he's like, listen, we're all in this thing together. The ships all rise together. And yeah, we're going to glamorize. Like, that's okay. He's not afraid of words like glamorize. Yeah. He recognizes that college sports is an entertainment um, uh, venue or it's an entertainment value, and, and he's treating it like that. He's, he's being a commissioner that's treating it like he's running a major media uh, operation, a multimedia operation, and he's out there negotiating like he's still running. What was the name of the, the organization he ran for? For uh, Jay-Z. Jay-Z. I don't know, but yeah. that's what but that is. He, he is a great, and as a commissioner, you need a business person that understands how to promote. So if Texas and Oklahoma, when they leave next year, um, is BYU in a position, and does, does your mark see BYU in a position where they are the reigning number one brand in the Big 12, that doesn't mean they have the best football team. That doesn't mean they have the best basketball team. Kansas basketball is its own brand, but... Overall, across the country, the BYU brand, once Oklahoma and Texas are out, is right it, it up there be, in the upper group. It could be the top brand. He continued in that, in that same thought and said, uh, when I got on campus last fall, which, by the way, we met him the first time he was on campus, remember? Yeah, for the he Baylor came, game. He came in for the Baylor game and was on a show. He said, um, this was the first time for me at BYU. I sensed the energy and enthusiasm. I've grown up in college sports, and I know the breadth and depth of BYU and Cougar Nation. It's a big national brand. It fits so perfectly within our conference footprint. For me, that validation really was the day they accepted their invitation. Isn't it interesting that um, he's happy to have Central Florida, Houston, and Cincinnati, and has said great things about their programs, but not this. He said they're national brands. Right. And they, that yeah. has not been what he's been yeah. talking about. And, and so that's one of the reasons why they're so happy. Right. Uh, because they got that and can build with it. And he's already, in previous interviews, talked about, look, we got our TV deal to where it is because of BYU. You know, it's not this number despite BYU. It is this number because of BYU. Right. And, you know, Cougar fans like to hear that. And fans who aren't BYU fans don't like to hear that. But the reality is BYU is a national brand. Yes, and, they are. And uh, those comments I thought were very interesting. Also on expansion. Um, this was very interesting uh, when he when he kind of you know he's been open for business right since the day he got the job but but he re he revealed a little more strategy yeah. in this comment yeah he says from where I sit it's not so much about the Pac-12 TV deal 
When I think of expansion, whoever we bring in needs to bring value to the equation. When I think about schools that could be added, we have guiding principles for expansion, academics, leadership, cultural fit, geography, athletic performance, and brand. He always mentions brand. You notice that? And always geography. Yeah. So yeah, geography and brand. (laughs) He wants certain land and he wants brand. So, and he finishes with, I'd like to stay at 14 teams, even after the departure of Oklahoma and Texas. We'll see about that. We're not chasing a number. It's more about the fit. So he gives us a number in that interview and says, I'd like to see it stay at 14. He likes the setup of how it works with 14. Um, I think, you know, with, with the Big Ten and the SEC and the ACC all at 14, 16 teams, he, he doesn't want it to drop back down to 12. But, but it's all about brand, geographic fit, and all of that. So Yeah, I think that's interesting because uh, he just needs two teams to get to 14. And you got to think that they got to have football programs, right? Because we're talking about 14 teams. Not necessarily, but if, if you're talking about a 14-team football league, you only need two. You don't need four. So then it's like, well, okay, Arizona, Colorado, then we're done. Or San Diego State and Colorado, or they'll be done. But it's not this four corners have got to come in, you know, the, four, the two Arizona schools, Utah and Colorado. He's not looking for 16. Yeah, it, it's a, it's it was an interesting comment when he said that. I went, oh, that's interesting because everybody just assumes that if Oregon and Washington bolt, that it, that the four corners teams are just going to be looking to come together someplace. But who knows? Yeah, who knows? And, and so San Diego State, and you mentioned a moment ago, they're in an interesting spot. They're in the first week of the rest of their lives um, after a weird week last week, um, and I don't know what it means, but. Um, after informing the Mountain West Conference that they were going to leave by June 30th, and then they asked for an extension so that they would pay the exit fee that would be required by June 30th and not the one that's double come July 1st. So that was their thing. Hey, we're thinking of leaving. We want you to extend to us so we don't have to pay as much. That was never going to fly, and the Mountain West is like, yeah, uh, thanks, but no thanks. Then June 30th comes and goes, now we're into July. They're still in the Mountain West. They send a letter back going, yeah, we're not going to leave after all. Uh, what, does that, what does that mean moving forward? As BYU found out over the years as an independent, to join a P5, you have to be invited. And it just seems like they were ahead of it going, we are so convinced we're going to be invited. We're informing the Mountain West Conference right now. This is our intention. Nothing happens. And then they're like, okay, we're not... And now if they do, that's $46 million instead of $20 million or whatever. Uh, I know there's something like something drastic, but, but they could still leave like everyone can. But what a strange yeah, week I, for San Diego State. I, it's, it's hard. And we have good friends down at San Diego State. Somebody misled San Diego State. Because you don't come out and say that unless you are certain an invitation is there. It's like you're at a card game in Vegas, and you go, I just want all of you guys to know, right. here are my cards. So somebody misled them to believe that this thing was 99% a certainty, or there's no way that they're, and we know those folks down there, they're not that stupid where they're going to go, hey, you know, we got a 50-50 chance of this thing. We better inform the Mountain West and make it public, right? They thought something was happening. Um, and we know they've had conversations with, with the Pac-12. We don't know for sure that they've had them with the Big 12. We think we but think they had them, but so so did somebody. Let's say it's the let's let's do a hypothetical. Let's say right. it's the Pac-12, and Pac-12 TV deal is not done, um, and they're talking to him saying, "Listen, this is we're going to put you together. We're going to do this." 
And in the course of that TV negotiation, the TV partners go, hey, listen. And by the way, if you add San Diego State, that's not going to add a bunch of value to this thing. Like, we're not giving you extra money for that. And then they go, oh, gosh, our bad guys. We didn't really, we thought, you know, we thought this and that. So we really can't do it at this time. And maybe we can in the future. And then San Diego State's going, wait a minute here. That, that's all a hypothetical. But, but behind the scenes, don't you think something along those lines had to happen for them to come out and make public that they, you wanted to make sure that they could get an extension and we're making some decisions at this point. It would have to. And, and then back down on that. Especially with how um, freaked out everybody is over information. Right. You know, uh, athletic directors don't like to say squat just out of fear of having it, they're being held accountable to what they said. And, and, uh, and so I know that the area ADs are kind of shaking their head going, I don't know why they would say anything to anybody. Yeah, what, what happened? I, let alone I, I put out their own thing. I can only assume that they were misinformed. And I don't know, maybe it was the Big 12 that misinformed them. Could be. Maybe the Pac-12 said, um, maybe the Big 12 had told them, listen, if you decide not to go to the Pac-12, we have a standing invitation with us. And then the Pac-12 decided not to. And so they're like, hey, listen, we're going to end up in the Big 12. And the Big 12 said, oh, wait a minute. We've pumped the brakes on that now. We're done with the deal. We're done with our TV deal. I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was the Big 12. I don't know if it was a Pac-12. But, but in my mind, there has to have been something misrepresented to them for them to go that far out on a limb and get caught in this thing. You know, they say in, in when you have too many quarterbacks, they're battling yeah. it out. Well, if you have two quarterbacks, that means you don't have one. Right. Uh, in this TV deal of deals, uh, if you don't have a deal uh, to announce, you don't have a deal. Right. Right? And so you can't pretend you have a deal. Um, and, and maybe they got caught up in that, too, because here it is another another day and the Pac-12 just kicked it down the road. And and you know what? They still have their TV deal for another year or two or whatever. So it's not like it's not like next it's like week. Not, and nobody's going to make TV. any money next week. But um, but it's all about the future now with with shaping how these conferences are going. And that's why, you know, at the end of it all, like today, they, they, they still are in a current good TV deal. But this is all about the future and shaping of it, and the fact that they can't counter with, here's what our plan is, makes them look weak and lost and vulnerable. And, and maybe San Diego State was the, the one who got caught up in the, are we I, in? Did you say that we were in on the first, or was that, uh, was that a handshake, or was that a, well, I've, a wink? I've gone, I've gone on the record, I'd love to see San Diego State in the conference, because I think they bring decent football that would only get better. They bring the California, Southern California market, which yeah. is geography that your mark talks about, and they bring one of the elite basketball programs in the country. I'd be fine with them. Man. Yeah, they'd be great. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the long term. Speaking of basketball, your mark, um, uh, on the show they asked him about basketball, and he said, um, and I, I'm excited about this basketball league. This gives us a little bit more about the structure. He says, we're working with ESPN right now. And I'm excited about the schedule. It will be out in August or September, and that should be an exciting moment, and we will amplify it. It will be an 18-game conference schedule. Each school will play five teams twice and eight teams once. So that gave us a little more information than we had. So who are the five teams? Like, we're thinking, is Kansas coming in um, to play in the Merritt Center this year? Or are year? we just going to Kansas and right, the next year? Right, because we only play them once and we only yeah. play them there. Right, and so it'll be interesting to see how that comes out. So there's, we don't know for sure who's going to march through here. We know at least five teams are coming here for I sure. Hope, I hope the two of the five are Oklahoma and Texas. Right, and we're gonna get, you're getting nine home conference games, right? Yeah. So you've got nine games. Five of those you're going to play home and home with. 
So uh, there's going to be four others that are going to come in. They're going to play at home. And it's interesting. Fran Fraschilla has said multiple times now, yes, longtime ESPN analyst, that he's really, really excited for an old traditional Big Monday matchup in the Marriott Center with Kansas and BYU and what an environment that is going to be because he recognizes the environment in the Marriott Center. Is he foreshadowing something? Has he I don't seen know. I can't, I can't decide if he's it's, just going, oh, this venue would be awesome for, for this. this. Or is he don't know something? That's what I don't know. Yeah. That's why I'm, I'm throwing that out there. What's Come on, Fran, what's he saying? I have a feeling Fran's just going, uh, I've been there on Magical Nights. That will be great on Monday night yeah. during the Big 12. I don't think he's saying they're Kansas playing on a there. big Monday at BYU because is it wouldn't be just Fran saying it. Someone else right. would leak Someone that out. Someone else would leak it. You're right. But, but hopefully... Hopefully he's right. But but I when he says that, I imagine a Kansas or a Baylor on a big Monday ESPN headline game yeah. coming in to play in the Marriott Center and, the, and just taking the roof off the place. I think one thing will be interesting, and we'll learn it as we go along here, is um, BYU basketball is not like BYU football, where BYU football in the Big 12, those are big games, and the teams that BYU plays know they're going to have to play good to beat BYU. Basketball isn't coming in with that same kind of, uh, of uh, you know, swagger? A mantra or yeah. swagger where um, those aren't necessarily ESPN games because ESPN's got this conference where half the conference matchups are A-listers. Hey, we got Baylor and Oklahoma State tonight as opposed to maybe Texas and BYU. Yeah, Texas at BYU sounds like a huge game for us, but what if... But what, it might not be for the league. What if Baylor is at Kansas? Yeah. That day. Or Oklahoma State or, yeah. or you know. Hey, Kansas State was really good last yeah, year. Yeah, um, So T- I don't TCU think. TCU is the best they've been in years last year in basketball. I think we'll see more ESPN plus BYU Big 12 games in basketball. Which hopefully you and I will get to do a bunch of those. Hopefully, yes. And, and, and until they can work their way up into the marquee matchups are not BYU in basketball. Not yet in the Big 12. They've already got their marquee teams. Football is different. BYU, Texas. That's going to be it's a big uh, that's a game. Fox national game. Yep. No question about it. BYU, Oklahoma, you know, yep. BYU, Texas Tech. Uh, and obviously, too, there are fewer football games than basketball. So the magnitude of the football game is is bigger and the scheduling is easier because you're not scheduling, you know, uh, 18. Well, and, and the, network, the networks know that nine, BYU even is an independent eight. when they play another big school. They draw a huge crowd. Yeah. They're, 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 that it's a big rating, and that's what they're looking for. So this, like we were talking about earlier, it's just everything's brand new, even though we're KG veterans. Right. Uh, and we'll just kind of roll with, okay, this is Kansas might not be coming to the Marriott Center this year. It'll be next year. But but these teams will come in. Right. And BYU I, will I'm go excited. to their places and stuff. Yeah, that schedule is going to be available um, here in August or September. And we asked Amber Whiting on BYU TV on Saturday because – because you know she's waiting for her schedule too, but she's seen the teams that are coming. She knows who's coming and who, where they're going. And we tried to get her to say something, you know, but we haven't been able to get her to do that yet. But we'll keep working. She appreciated you doing your job. By we asking, have to ask the question by asking, like, but but she she was not giving up any of that information. No, no, that, it, you know what? But well, we're not going to give up. Right. right, we're going to continue asking. We're going to get it. So when is it? But because um, you know we want Texas in the Marriott Center. Let's be honest. We want Shaley Gonzalez to reunite with Lauren Gustin at the Marriott Center. Texas in their elite program, BYU, and they're building a major rebuild underway with some talented players. Hey, we want that game. Yeah, I, I asked Amber straight up on uh, on Saturday. I said my my take on the women's team is 
with these great with this great class she's just signed from a pure talent perspective that they're just fine in that league that they've they've got young talent the difference is that some of these teams have experienced you know three and four and five-year veterans like Shaley that are talented and BYU's talent is young and that can cost you some wins early but she certainly was confident who she's brought in and who she's got back that they have the skills to hang with these teams and so it'll be fun to see like Inexperience shows up. It de- definitely yeah. shows up, and it has an impact on games. But the fact that she's not saying, oh, I have to upgrade the talent in a huge way for us to compete in this league. She didn't say that. In fact, she was adamant in the other direction. So that was kind of fun. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, the wise guys. We recorded a little bit earlier, so families can enjoy the 4th of July. Uh, and that's why we're not re- uh, reacting directly to uh, your live stream. So keep those coming. Uh, we've got our live host on there, and you can talk with each other, and uh, and we'll be back live next week. Um, you know what's live today? 14 schools are, are in brand-new conferences Yeah. as we get into the week. It's not just the Big 12 with movement. We already know BYU, Houston, Central Florida, and Cincinnati are the new kids on the block in the Big 12, but there's a bunch of things going on. Yeah, Conference USA in big-time expansion mode, Sam Houston who BYU plays in their season opener, will join Conference USA along with Liberty, who BYU has some experience with over the last couple of years. Got beat there last week, yeah, last re- year. Really fine program. New Mexico State, who's been okay. BYU played New Mexico State a few years ago in a bowl game, but um, a very good basketball program. And then Jacksonville State. So Sam Houston, Liberty, New Mexico State, and Jacksonville State, those four schools joined the Conference USA. Um, uh, and then what about American? American, remember they lost Cincinnati, Central Florida and Houston right. to the Big 12. So they went and picked up Charlotte, Florida Atlantic. And remember Florida Atlantic made that run in the big mm-hmm. dance? Uh, they're legit in basketball. North Texas Rice, UAB, who BYU played in the Independence Bowl uh, a couple years ago, and uh, UTSA, who was here during COVID, right. during the COVID season. So 14 schools have hopped conferences. Uh, we, we don't think, that, of course, the one hopping is the one P5 the expansion with the Big 12. But but all these are upgrades for these schools and put them on a path to, to keep growing and keep developing. And um, and there'll be more, right? Yep, there'll be there's, more. There's going to be more. The Mountain West didn't lose anybody. Right. But you kind of feel like they're going to at some point, but then they might pick up some guys. You know, let's, let's say, let's just say Oregon and Washington leave for the Big 10, if that were to happen. And the Big 12 is already taking Arizona and Colorado. The Mountain West may pick up everyone that's left. Right. They could. Or, right. or half their team goes to whatever's left of the, of the Pac-12. So right. some shuffling could be going on. We're watching the calendars. We get ready for some key dates for BYU. Yeah, we're going to start with July 12th and 13th. They get, get ready to, to join us on BYU TV with Big 12 Media Days in Arlington, Texas. We have player interviews with the likes of Keaton Slovis, Cody Epps, Ben Bywater, Tyler Batty, Ryan Rico. That's who we're rolling out yeah, to whole, represent. The, the whole coaching staff, that's who's going down. Um, BYU TV is going to be there and cover the whole thing for you down in Arlington. I'll be curious to see what kind of questions Slovis gets from the rest of the Big 12 media. Yeah. yeah. USC kid, Pitt kid. Now it would be BYU for the one season. I think they'll be fascinated with his story. And BYU have coaches down there as well, along with Kalani, the head coach. But you know, we just asked uh, Fessy Sataki in our interview on Saturday about Keaton, and he go, "The one thing I love hearing is, oh, he has a ma- he said the words he used, he has a major league arm, like NFL major league arm, makes every throw." Oh, you know who else who had one? Uh, Jaron Hall. Yeah. 
Uh, Zach, Zach Wilson. Wilson. That's what that's what they do at BYU. That's what they do. So that's why they that's why they keep coming. Jake Redsloff, he knows Steve Young and Jim McMahon and all that stuff, but he's here because of Hall Wilson and now Slovis. Right. And Slovis needs to get drafted, and then the next guy needs to get drafted, and then guess what? Then you're back in the good old days when, when BYU just... You got to open the factory back when, up. When I came here, my thought was, you, you need to be the starter here. And if you're the starter for two years, you're drafted. That's what happens at BYU. You know that uh, quarterback factory poster they did back in the day? Yeah. With um, Shidey, Nielsen, Wilson, Wilson, McMahon, Young. I think it was that yeah. group. Maybe Bosco was in there. Well, you, you could do a whole new factory. Yeah. With the new, the new kids in town. And yet Wilson, Hall, Slovis, uh, add a couple more. And then it's then you've got a reboot, a yeah. complete reboot. And, and Keaton makes it really it's like easy. Indiana Jones six. Yeah, Keaton makes it really easy to root for him. Such yeah. such a good human being and, and great to talk to. Seems very humble with the great skills he has and where he's been, um, and and working like crazy is the word. So, um, speaking of the NFL, NFL training camp start on July 18. That's 14 days. Um, rookies just around the corner. Yeah, the rookies start reporting on that day. That's right. 14 days. That's that's two weeks. Yep. So that's awesome. Uh, July 25th, the 10th season of after further review, DJ, will you put our, our thing up? We, this, this is the ad that, uh, that Cameron over at BYU TV just put together that we've got out on I social media. That's Hall and Puka. Um, the, our, our season premiere on July 25th is the best of those two. Uh, when they played together and, and just made big plays in their BYU careers. So we're going to celebrate Hall and Puka, a pair of fifth-round draft picks for BYU, the dangerous duo. And that's how we're going to launch the 10th season of After Further Review. Three weeks from tonight. That graphic just gets me ready to go. I love go. it. And then August 2nd is a big, big date. BYU's players report on the 2nd, according to Fessy Satake. They like 30 days from today? Yep. And then they start, they, they report, they do all their physicals and team meetings and compliance and all that stuff, and then they get going on August 3rd as camp begins, and they get out there and start running around as a team. How exciting will it be for that to go on in the morning on August 3rd, and then that night the NFL's back on NBC with the um, Hall of Fame game. And it's Zach Wilson playing for the Jets against the Browns. And Sione Takitaki's with Cleveland. I'm not sure if he'll even take the field that night. But we feel that Zach will. Yeah. Because Zach is not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers would be the one that's protected from a game like that. And maybe they'll protect Zach, too, and play some of the others. But we think Zach is going to get some time. But the, the Cougars report in the morning, and there's football on TV that night. Yeah, and then we've got, another, we've got another fan celebration for you to get involved with. On August 16th, that's the Cougar kickoff. That's from 6 to 9 Mountain on the SAB practice field with all fall sports. We've been part of that the last couple years. And, hey, I expect nothing but great support from the fans after what we just saw this last weekend. But put that on your calendars, August 16th, the Cougar kickoff, 6 to 9 Mountain out on the SAB practice field. All the fall sports. September 2nd, Sam Houston at BYU, 8.15 p.m. on FS1. Um, The return of college football is next month. That's what I also like about the first yeah. of July. It's like, hey, well, it's, only it's month next month. Well, it's, it's longer because it's the end of the month. But 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 in but in theory, it's just the calendar page, right? That's we just, right. You just turn the calendar, and hey, there it is. The first game. Let's take a look at these first couple of games. Speaking of football being back next month, Navy's at Notre Dame Saturday, August twenty sixth at twelve thirty in the afternoon Mountain Time on NBC. They're playing that game in Ireland. That is the first game of any game. Uh, to kick off the college football season on August 26th. Then that night, USC's on TV uh, on the Pac-12 network, if you can get it, uh, against San Jose State. So the Trojans 
and the Irish are busy on the very first day, and then we get into the first full week. Yeah, and USC's loaded, coming back, Notre Dame's loaded, so you get a chance to, to look at two title contenders, yeah. national title contenders to start off. San Jose State's been really good the last couple of years. They're throwing the ball all over the place, and they're fun to watch. It'll be interesting to see if SC is thinking of the big fish on the schedule, or are they just going, okay, the big fish are only big if we beat San Jose State. That'll be a... That'll be a and this the navy is not the Kenny Matalolo navy, so nope. they'll, they'll be interesting to interesting challenges for the Irish and the Trojans. But just like anyone else, you look past them, you get beat in college football. That's right. And a night game in Dublin against the Fighting Irish in Ireland. I don't know. I got I, you know that's a lot going for for no. <laughs> it's a long trip. You better better pack your A game because right. your season can get derailed well, on the on the other continent. That's a Saturday night. Then the following Thursday, August thirty first, Florida at Utah, six p.m. on ESPN. Rematch of that game down in uh, in uh, Florida when when Florida beat them. Yeah, and Utah was a favorite in that game. I don't think Utah is going to be the favorite. You think Utah will be the favorite? In I'm this not one? even sure Cam Rising is going to be in that game. Yeah, Depends there's a really good chance he's not. And recovery. And, if Cam Rising's not in that game, man, I don't know. That's a toss-up if it, with, two, without him. Two talented teams on Thursday, August 31st. So the drums are going to be pounding as we now we're into this. Uh, and we get to Saturday, which is BYU's opening day, September 2nd. And just a handful of key games. Uh, Virginia, Tennessee. That's at 10 in the morning on September 2nd on ABC. Remember... That was going to be Tennessee at BYU. That's right. Until the Vols paid $2 bucks to get out of it. They'd rather play Virginia in Nashville uh, than come out to Provo. And so... Yeah, because Virginia didn't go into Nashville or Virginia <laughs> yeah. into Tennessee and beat them. No, so. no, you can't, you can't come out to yeah, Provo. Yeah, Knoxville. So, so uh, Boise State's at Washington. That's that going to be day, interesting. One thirty on ABC. Boise State's had some good luck against the Pac-12 Pac in recent yeah, years. Yeah. They're not afraid to go up and play at Washington. That night, West Virginia of the Big 12 is going to be at Penn State. That will be on NBC, and they're at NBC's first non-Notre Dame college football games in a long, long time now that they're into that Big Ten package. And then after that one, at 8.15 p.m., as mentioned, is uh, Sam Houston and BYU. So that's the opening week, first opening eight days or so. Um, and it's around the corner, and you can taste it. Yeah, it's You it's, can just it's taste fun. it. When, it seems, when, you, when we can say it's just next month. It's kind of that fun. means something. It's kind of that fun. means something. Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua. Speaking, we we were talking about them a moment ago. They've got their preseason. We mentioned they're going to show up in practice here in a couple of weeks when the rookies report. And uh, we talked to Jaron last week at mm -hmm. the BYU golf tournament. You got to see Jaron and Keaton. We saw the the past and the future. Yeah, that's right. And and uh, Jaron's uh, ready to go, ready to get after it. And 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 he gets to learn from Kurt Cousins. I said, well, how's Kurt? And he goes, he's a competitor. Wants to keep his job, yeah. but he's good and a good person. He's a good person to learn and, from. And somebody, somebody to be around. So let's roll out where you can see Puka, Hall, Puka and, and Jaron. Let's start with Jaron, and we're talking about when you can watch them next month. Right, starting Thursday, August 10th at, at the Seahawks, 8 p.m. on the NFL Network. So we can all tune in for that one. Right. Then Saturday, August 19th uh, against the Titans. So the nine days later against the Titans. Um, and then... Saturday, August 26th versus the Cardinals. Remember, Tyson Williams is currently with the Cardinals. And then uh, week one, when I say week one, preseason's over. This is the first regular season game. The Bucks at the Vikings on CBS. And if we see Jaron in that game, something bad has happened right. for the Vikings. We, I, my guess is we're going to see him in those first three. And then if 
Kirk Cousins stays healthy, he'll just be in a backup role, yeah, which is as a great he should thing. be, right? Absolutely great chance to learn. We saw what what happened with with Zach um, in a different setting, but but still being thrown out there and having to produce right away at that level. And um, hey, let the pros do that, and rookies get to grow up and become a pro, right? Um, and so these these three preseason games, they'll be fun to see what how many how many throws did Hall get. And, uh, and who did he throw to? Um, and then Puka, uh, if, if you're not watching Jaron, you can find Puka. Right. Saturday, August 12th, the Chargers, Michael Davis, who's a bona fide star and starter at corner for yeah. the Chargers. That's at 7 p.m. on the NFL Network. And then, then you see him again on Saturday, August 19th against the Raiders. Saturday, August 26th at the Broncos at 7 p.m. That one also on the NFL Network. And then their week one game, their opener, is uh, the Rams are at the Seahawks on Fox. It's the big national Fox game on on, uh, on week one. Unlike Jaron Hall, we could see Puka. Puka could be in the rotation. Yeah. Like, if he shines in those first three, he could be in the rotation uh, by the time they get to that. Yeah, and, you'll play four receivers, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Imagine Puka out there with Cooper Cup just running routes as a – as an NFL guy, yeah, I mean, my goodness, you get a, your your teammates like the best receiver in football. Although Jaron might think with Jefferson, he's got the best receiver in football. It, it was interesting to hear the, them talk about Cooper Cup, and then say, "Hey, the reason we drafted Nakua is he does a lot of things that Cooper Cup does that we like." They compared him to Cooper Cup. That's pretty good. That's a pretty that's a pretty lofty comparison. So we'll see. Pro Football Focus put out its fantasy football rankings for the rookies, and they had Puka at number forty five. Well, he's just a playmaker. Yeah. He's just a playmaker. So. And, and uh, the clips we've seen, now they're, they're all on a break, right? They're on a break until they report later this week. But in June, they were, they were busy in practice, and Puka looked good. Yeah, he, he turned some heads, and there's a lot of good news coming out on him. Um, we're going to remember, we're going to remind them again, Dave, that, that on the, our first AFR show uh, with you and I and Dave Nixon, the title is The Dangerous Duo, Hall and Nakua. We showed you the graphic. So that's Tuesday, January 25th. Is that three weeks from tonight? Yes. Yeah. Three weeks from tonight, 5 p.m. Mountain on the season premiere after further view on the BYU TV app. Yeah. And you can watch it anytime after that. But Yeah, it's there forever, but, yep. but you want to be there for the first. Yep. Top linebackers in the NFL. NFL.com's Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah, they rolled out their list of the eight best linebackers in the game, and Fred Warner was number one. He's the best. He's the best defender in the game of football. How about that? BYU guy, and, and that's really cool. And so, and Fred's a great supporter. How powerful says, is that? You're, you're a football program not named USC, Notre Dame, Georgia, Alabama, and you have the best linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, that it helps recruiting yeah. a lot. So, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, a, a good friend of ours, um, because he's got ties to the state and, and the Aggies, is Bobby Wagner, who, you know, there was a time when Bobby Wagner was the best defender right. in the National Football yeah. League, the best linebacker in the league. And they list him as number seven. Um, Bob, Bobby Wagner is, uh, I, I got a chance to meet him a few times. One, one of my reps in my um, in my other business up in Logan is his father-in-law. Oh, yeah. And, and, and he is a really, really uh, great person. And, wow, is he a player. Pro Football Focus put out their top ten head NFL coaches. So the head coach is the top 10 uh, in the league. And uh, there's, a, there's a running theme here. Wow. Uh, but let's go. Uh, yeah, let's just go right to number one. Now, think about the, the figures in the NFL. And number one is not Bill Belichick. According to, the, to Pro Football Focus, it's Andy Reid. We, we were saying last year before that Super Bowl, if they get one more Super Bowl, Andy Reid, 
he was already a Hall of Fame head guy. Right. But this puts him in the, is he, is he the greatest of all time? Where does he fall in that? Certainly put him in, he's the most dominant head coach in professional football in the last 10 seasons. Really. So they have him number one, but Belichick is number two at the and Patriots. Deser- deservedly so. You right, can, yeah. right. Mike and if Tomlin. You all, if you go all time, you can make an argument for either of those guys, right? Yeah, all time, once you throw in all the Super Bowls. Right, you and gotta, there, there's you, some other guys you throw in there when you're talking all time. Yeah, you know, like Belichick would be right up there. Belichick would be right up there. Uh, so these are the current top ten. So Mike Tomlin is number three with the Steelers. Kyle Shanahan, number four with the 49ers. John Harbaugh is fifth for the Ravens. Sean McVay is sixth for the Rams. Doug Peterson with the Jaguars is seven. Nick Serrani with the Eagles at eight. Sean McDermott, the Bills at nine. And Brian Dable with the Giants at ten. But there's a running theme in this top ten. They're all Andy Reid guys. <laughs> but not all. But there's a lot of Andy Reid guys in that group, right? Yeah, you got McDermott, Harbaugh, and Peterson all under the Andy Reid tree. And isn't Serrani also? I couldn't find that Serrani had but, or not. But I think Sean McDermott is. Yeah, Didn't, McDermott is. McDermott yeah, and is. Sean McDermott is Harbaugh, too. Peterson. I couldn't find on Serrani, but uh, there's three, and you're already one. You got you got four of the top ten. Yeah, his 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 coaching tree is impressive, and then that and then remember Andy's coaching tree goes back to Mike Holmgren, who also was a BYU mm-hmm. coach, and Mike Holmgren's tree is just a blossoming it's like gigantic. An orchard. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like an orchard. It's like an orchard. Well, it's like an aspen grove where they're all interconnected. Yeah, and then you go to Lavelle's tree. Yeah. And, now, and, now you got all these guys, in, yeah, yeah in, in, including Brian Billick and that whole group with Lavelle's tree. Yeah. Wild. So those are the top 10 current head coaches in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, there's a lot of money to be made in football. We're starting to see free agent signings, and especially in the NBA and baseball and all that stuff. But we thought, well, which former BYU players are going to make the most money this season? in the NFL. We've come up with the top five salaries. Yeah. So let's, we're going to go from lowest. So, we, But let me tell you, when we go lowest, you don't have to... Lowest of the top five, you don't have to feel sorry for Just him. for the season. Right. Jamal Williams, $4 million with the Saints. And, 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 he's and the, deservedly so. And the Saints have Kamara, who's one of the highest paid running backs in the game. So this is $4 million to be a tag team to partner with in, Kamara. To be the one-two punch, yeah. Then, then at, number f- uh, at number four is Michael Davis... Who signed an eight point four million dollar deal? So eight point four million a year with the Chargers, and he could get more than that with some, with some incentives, right? Uh, Taysom Hill's going to make ten million this yeah. year with the Saints, yep. so he'd be one of the most dangerous number players. three. Then our, then our guy Andy Reid at twelve million as the Chiefs head coach. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And then Fred Warner is getting nineteen million uh, for the Forty ers this you're, year. You're the best linebacker in the league. You get nineteen million. Absolutely, and he's part of that bazillion dollar deal he signed. So just. Just a cool nineteen million. Those are the top five salaries this season for, for Cougars. Um, by the way, you mentioned Reed and Super Bowls. Reed and Patrick Mahomes are going to try to become just the fourth head coach quarterback duo to win three or more Super Bowls. Right. And then you go back into history and you go, okay, Brady has to be in that mix somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So Brady and Belichick for sure are in that group. Terry Bradshaw in the seventies seemed to win all the time. Chuck beat Noel. the Cowboys. Yeah. And then uh, there's that Joe Montana. Yeah. With How about Walsh. that elite group? You yeah. joined that? We're talking about greatest coaches of all time. How about, there's some. <laughs> Bill Belichick, Chuck Nolan, Bill Walsh, right? That's a, that's a, the that's great, a the unique The great Steelers group. franchise, the great Niners. Like, the, these were, these were uh, dynasties, right? Bill Belichick had a dynasty with the Patriots. Chuck Noll coached a dynasty with the Steelers. 
And Bill Walsh coached the dynasty with the Niners. Yeah. When, you, when you're in that many Super Bowls and you dominate over that period of time, that's what we call a dynasty. Guess what? With last year's Super Bowl win, the, the Chiefs look like a dynasty. They do, and they're a dynasty that, like what Belichick's done, and the others, like it seemed like Bradshaw, and it seemed like the Steelers were always the same team through it out. Right. And the 49ers were always the same team for it out. But Belichick seems to get guys, and he just, he just punches them into the rotation. You know, we had Randy Moss one year. We're going to have such and such the next mm-hmm. year. Um, and, and the same thing with the Chiefs. You got Kelsey and Mahomes. Everyone else has changed out. Yeah. But they're still good. They, they, and they lost some firepower on offense in the la- offseason of last year. Everybody's like, can they really come back and do it? And, oh, yeah, they were just fine. We also expect Matt Bushman to get on the field this yeah, year. I hope so. Healthy and, and ready to roll. More football business. Steve Young was a victim of ESPN's budget cuts. Joined a handful of others who were laid off by the network uh, this last week. Had been with ESPN for two decades now. I don't even know if that bothered him for one second. No. Because he's so busy with so can, much can going on. Can I tell on. you, like, every year that his contract came up, he would basically tell him he didn't want to do it anymore. And they would come up with some, well, we'll do this and this and this and this. And he'd be like, oh, gosh. They're just making it impossible for me to step away from this. Because St- Steve's all about spending time with family. And he's got a burgeoning business with uh, with Huntsman Gay, big private equity firm. When he comes on with us next month, we'll ask him. Yeah. Does this bother you or not? Yeah, I, I bet it doesn't. But here's the thing. That list of names was a who's who in sports broadcasting yeah. that they that they cut back on. You know what? ESPN is not what it used to be. No. Sports Center is not must-see TV. It used to be. Uh, I remember, you know, even with Oberman, who's lost his mind, but Oberman and Dan Patrick, they were it. You know, at the end of the day, you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Sports Center, um, and now it's just I don't know what I, and this wave of cuts is just you know spend 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 cut 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 spend spend overspend overspend they they they're paying a fortune for their Monday night football guys, mm-hmm. but then okay this guy's out this guy's out and Steve's one of those guys that that are out but it's just not I don't watch ESPN. Like I used to. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm terribly different. If it's a live game, I'm there. Yeah, I like that part in the interruption. I like that show. I think that's pretty well done. I, we kind of feel like we got to do that a little bit here. Do we just get to be opinionated? Right. But they don't offer a whole lot more than that. It used to be, it just used to be destination TV for me. Is it the same for you? It's, it's not what it was. And it's interesting because when I, when I was working um, a, a lot at NBC, uh, when I first started with NBC, they had multiple conference rights. They they had um, the Mountain West Conference. I was doing a bunch of Mountain West Conference stuff for them. They had uh, the Colonial Athletic Association back east. They had the Ivy League. They had the Atlantic 10. They had the uh, Big East. And gradually they gave those up. And I remember talking to some of the executives there, and I said, what's going on? And they go, ESPN's just way overpaying for everything. Mm. Like, like we want to be in some of those leagues, but we're looking for other stuff because it's fiscally irresponsible to, to go out and pay what they're paying in terms of rights for some of these things that they're paying for. And so ESPN just kept picking stuff. So they got in this huge expansion mode. And obviously with all the cuts they've made in the last several years, that expansion mode got them where it's just like, there's just not as much margin in these things anymore. And and so now they're making making big cuts of their and expensive people. And they people. raise the cable rates. Yeah. So we, we pay it. We're paying all this stuff right. uh, if we subscribe to that in our TV cable package. But what more and more people are doing is, I don't need that. 
Yep. Well, and, and I'm gonna the, watch. I'm gonna watch the live stream. I don't need all the stuff. And the sports is a divided world these days. It's yeah. like there's there's just so many different entities that are out there live streaming and doing things that, that people go to different different and, and places. And the, the Big Twelve, Big Twelve yeah. is Fox, ESPN, live stream right on ESPN Plus. Right. That's the future. BYU TV's been operating the future for a long, long time yeah. Dig- with its digital, digital streaming, live streaming. Is, is where it's going. So. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's re- just restructuring. I mean, ESPN is still going to be a big worldwide leader in sports. It's just nobody can dominate with the way they used to do it No. And, and the new environment that we're in. So uh, speaking of domination, overall sports, final Learfield standings for best overall athletic programs for, for uh, and BYU is ranked again. They're a little down. You know, I mentioned they're perennially in the top 20 yeah. in, in, in those standings. Um, not so much because they were down a little bit. And, football and basketball and, yeah. didn't give them the push. Even yeah. women's basketball, all three um, did, didn't get in the tournament, and yeah. uh, and and BYU um, was eight and five, seven and five going into their bowl game. Right, yeah. and, and BYU's been typically, literally, a top twenty program when it comes to these standings. They finished at number thirty-seven um, for this last sports season. Um, the next highest WCC program was Pepperdine at seventy-one. So they still were the clearly oh, the yeah. the you know, the top. Um, Gonzaga was third in the best, third best in the league with 81. Even as dominating as their basketball program, remember, this measures overall program strength across all sports. Right. So, so we're 37, they're 81. Yeah, so when you, when you put them up against programs in the Big 12, um, including the, you know, we're, when, when you, you know, and you went and did the research on this day, but um, where does the Big 12, and let's also include Central Florida and Houston and Cincinnati. Yeah, the whole the, group, the, the 14. So BYU was fifth. Among the 14, they were behind TCU, who had a phenomenal year in basketball and football last year, and all sports. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Texas, who is number two overall. Texas's overall sports program is phenomenal. So, yeah. so we think about that. Two of those teams are leaving after next year. So just coming in without the resources that these others have had, BYU this last year would have been third in the new league, right? And at least behind, behind only TCU and Oklahoma State. It supports that running theme we've talked about the last couple of weeks is after those two teams leave, there's an opportunity to pounce in this league, not just football and basketball, not just the major mega TV sports, but for BYU as a program to go into the upper echelon of the group. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing. TCU's ranked higher than they normally are, and they're on a roll right now. They're playing really well. But, But their football team just played in the national championship game. That's some serious points you get for that. Their basketball team is the best it's been in decades. Right. Right. So that's a really high ranking for, for TCU. Oklahoma State fell off a little bit in football. And I'm interested. Oklahoma State has got a lot of question marks in the football program going into next season. Um, and I and, would imagine, wouldn't you think, that they just think they're going to be the top dog? Hey, Mike, Mike Gundy hasn't had a losing season since he's been the head coach. I think it goes back to 2005. I think they're at risk of that this season. They were 7-5 and five last year. And they lo- they just don't have the returning firepower that these other schools have. So when that preseason poll comes out next week, yeah, we'll be see. curious to see what the rest of the league thinks of, of right. Oklahoma State. So hey, we mentioned that transfer portal. Yeah. Um, uh, we teased that a little bit at the beginning. The NCAA wants to cut that from sixty days down to thirty days. Um, but I like it. What do you think? Reducing it, or do you like it the way it is? I I like it being reduced. I, I think it is, too, because it can take away from the, the free-for-all atmosphere that there feels like there is. Yeah. Um, and it allows coaches to know who, they're gonna, who they have, 
and it gives the player the fair shake of you got 30 days to go. More power to you. But not, you don't need 60. Right. You need 60. Does that just buy you more NIL subscribers? I don't know. I don't know, but it seems like the winter portal was 45 days, Mm -hmm. December 5th to January 18th. The spring portal, 15 days, April 15th to April 30th. And they're going to take a final vote on that in October. So it's come out of the committee and they're they're pushing it. It seems like a no-brainer. Um, it's like it's like our favorite quote from John Robinson. They just let all the cows out of the barn. Now they want to get some of the cows back in the barn. Yeah, and I think the the longer time period allows for some stuff that's not legal to go on. Right. You're more likely to have a team directly tampering with you. Let's say in the first 30 days you don't get in the portal, and now they've been doing all their stuff, and they're going, wait, we didn't get those two receivers they're or hoping the, to get. Or they lost a right. couple of guys yeah. to the portal. Oh, now we got time to go scramble. Let's... Let's contact somebody that's not in the portal and see if we can't get them hmm, in the we've portal. We've seen that before. Yeah, we've seen it happen. So, um, yeah, I like it. I think the shorter, the better. Let's we'll just keep you posted. get it out there and get it done. If you're not happy, you put yourself in the portal and you go someplace else. You don't have 60 days to dwell on it. Yeah, or be lured right. out or in, to that matter. Women's Hoops, uh, BYU commit Delaney Gibb is training this week. She's in training camp with Canada's under-19 national squad. They're going to go overseas and play next month. Four-star guard. Number two player in Canada. She'll be at BYU in the fall of 2024. We're going to follow her career. Now she's in. Yep. And, and she was and, on our show. And Delaney Gibb and Amari um, uh, uh, Whiting are, are both talking about um, playing together yeah. and how complimentary they will be to one another. That's a great one-two punch on the guard line. Either can play the one, either can play the two. It'll be fun. A couple of four-star guards. Yeah. That we've never had that before Yeah, in the and, same line. And in college basketball, guard play is, is the – is the thing you've got to have to win, especially in tournament time. On the golf course, a former Cougar Peter Quest enjoying his first top five finish on the PGA Tour. Got into the tournament on a sponsor exemption and made the most of it. Finished tied for fourth at the Rocket Mortgage Classic over the weekend. A good payday, around $365,000 for four days of golf and a couple of years of high stress. But that's, that's a great finish for him. How tough is this PGA Tour? It's here's the thing. You and I don't play that much, but when we do, we marvel at how up and down our games are. <laughs> like, why did I play? And, and for us, it's like within a round. I was so good for six holes. I know. And then it all fell apart. And it's hard to maintain the level of play. There's so many good players to, to play consistently every week. And it is an example of that. Tony Finau, who won um, last year's Rocket Mortgage Championship, he didn't even make the cut. No. And he's contended in so many majors. And then, then he got Zach Blair, who finished second in last week's tournament it was phenomenal local guy, um, BYU guy, and and he didn't make the cut. Isn't that something? Because for Zach, who um, had his best finish, he's riding a great momentum, closing in on getting his tour card. Just needs to you know have a couple more good tournaments. There's still plenty of golf to play, but he's closing in on it. And then he goes to the four or five days later, it, the wheels come off and you miss the cut. So and, and players miss the cut all the time. Really good players. When you go back and look at Tiger's run tiger woods run and how many straight like majors that he made the cut on and like he just doesn't yeah phenomenal. To play that consistent for that long with all of his health problems it has just been you and then you go you can go look at any other player and look at cuts missed and they all have a bunch of them not tiger woods nope that's what puts him in a class not jack nicholas that's why they're the two greatest players of all time. They're the legends. Yep. So Next week, Lee Kamard's going to be with us, women's basketball assistant coach and, um, of course, a dominant player. Uh, they're getting ready to go to Europe. 
And so we yeah. wanted Lee to come in. Later this month, Mitch Matthews will be here. Steve Clark, tight end coach. Jen Rockwood, soccer head coach. And we get into August with names like Steve Young, Elijah Bryant, Jamal Willis. Nick Robinson will be with us before they go overseas. Right. Tom Homo will be with us on August 15th as, a, as we get closer to um, to getting things fired up. Uh, so we got, we got a great month coming. Yep. Lots of great stuff coming. And hey, but this is the, this is July 4th, right? Yeah. So now we're going to talk about on this day. <laughs> How about this? On, on this day, on July 4th, there's so one many of the greatest days in history, right? There are so many things. And, and to set that up, we thought, okay, it's independence day holiday, July 4th. Um, we're talking sports. Was there, was there a sporting event that you remember watching or attending in your life that made you feel most patriotic than, than others? What event, yeah, I, and you guys think about it too, what event, and there's some obvious ones, like I'm going to mention Miracle on Ice, right. uh, beating Russia in the semis at Lake Placid in 1980. I remember that, you just remember feeling like that was us out there, right. beating those guys. I just watched that show again the other it's day. It's a classic. Um, there's uh, when President Bush went out at the World Series right after 9-11, stood on the mound at Yankee Stadium in New York and fired a strike. Uh, and back then there weren't Republicans and Democrats at that point. It was just one country and it got a standing ovation for what it meant, um, in that moment, in that context. Uh, and he had a bulletproof vest on underneath and still walked out there and still through a heater, through a heater. Uh, there's a, like BYU beat the Soviet union, the USSR and exhibition game. Um, when Danny Ainge was here back on November 10th of 1979, I remember being there as a kid. And, and these guys came out, and they're all red unis with their, with their um, USSR and their logo. And, and, you know, things weren't cool. Things weren't cool back then, yeah. you know. They're not cool now either, but, but there are times when things have been a little yeah. more manageable between the East and West. That wasn't one of them, but here, here were the, the best team in the world, you know, representing the – it was like when Rocky fought uh, – what's his name? The Russian fighter, you know. Yeah. It was like collision there. So there were a few of those – um, that uh, and, and on the live stream, uh, we, we'll take your suggestions as well. But what, what about you? So, what? I, so I love the I love the George Bush moment. It was huge for me. I'm from New York, right? So, mm -hmm. um, with all that went like, on, and, and the Olympic thing was also in New York. It's all yeah. from New York. Yeah. So, so it, yeah, that was up in Lake Placid, not yeah. not far from where I grew up. But um, when President Bush stepped out there and just threw a strike, I was like, yes, yeah. And, and being in New York City after all that had just happened, that was a really cool moment for me. But I'm going to mention one that you didn't mention, that it's a whole sporting couple of weeks when the Olympics came to the state of Utah. Right. It was, it was amazing. Our kids were little, and we, went, we watched the flame run. But all of those things around the Olympics, when the Olympics comes to your home, it's a patriotic. It's not a patriotic moment. It's a patriotic experience. Right, right. And I, I went to the Olympics over in Russia, which was interesting because that was far from our home. Right. And um, we weren't the best team. Remember, the Russians won the most medals, and then they had to give them back because right. of doping. Way to go. Um, but uh, so we weren't the dom We won a lot, but we weren't the dominant um, uh, team that year. It didn't feel like anyway. And, um, uh, and so that was different to see the national anthem being played with just a few people cheering mm -hmm. because there aren't that many Americans over there as opposed to when we had it here where it was yeah. a pep rally. Right. Um, and, and when it's been in other places in the United States. So the Olympics, for sure, um, I think, I think the, the miracle on ice, 
I, I guess events that they've made movies about. So they've yeah. researched it. Miracle on Ice was probably one where I was just, I was just a, I think I, I, I might've been 13. Um, but, uh, that you just felt like you were on the ice because yeah. it was our amateurs against their pros. Well, and when you watch the movie, you remember vividly and the movie's well done. Right. Well, when yeah. you watch the movie, you remember vividly living that moment in real time and how. But cool I think I got misty eyed when President Bush uh, oh. fired that strike. Absolutely. Because, because um, we were just for the first time in our lives, we were rocked by by war, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to you know the well, folks a little older than us had World like, War Two. And wait a minute, somebody came on our soil. Did that and did that. What are we going to do? And yeah. and and um, and w- they decided to go on with sports. And this was a World yeah. Series game. It was the Diamondbacks and, and the, the Yankees. The president steps up and goes, yeah, we'll show you. Bam, strike. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Well, well, put yours on the live stream and, and, and go back and forth. But uh, yeah. So here we are on, on, on this day on July 4th. And we got a few more things than normal yeah. because a few more things than normal happened it's on a, this day. It's, it's a big day. But and we get, of course, we're going to start with 1776, yeah. right? The U.S. Congress proclaims the Declaration of Independence from Great Britain. Yeah, that's what we're celebrating. On July 4th, 1796, the first Independence Day celebration was held. So it wasn't a holiday or it wasn't a celebration for, uh, for a while after that, for 20 years. Maybe right? they just want to say, look, let's before just, we have a party, wait, let's, quietly, let's make sure this let's thing make sure sticks. This thing sticks. Yeah, exactly. Let's make sure they don't come back. In, in 1802, the first U.S. Military Academy opens at West Point. The Army um, yeah. is based there at West Point, which is not too far from where I grew up in one of the most beautiful parts of the country. On this day in 1803, President Jefferson announces to the country uh, that they made the Louisiana Purchase. And how valuable has that oh been to goodness. the country? Yeah. 1831, the song My Country Tis of Thee is sung in public at Park Street Church in Boston. Weren't you just there at I, the church? I was at Park Street Church yeah. just a few weeks ago when we were back for the Boston Marathon. 1845, Henry David Thoreau moves into his shack on Walden Pond. Wow. In 1863... Boise, Idaho was founded. How about that? Our neighbor up to the north. 1863, that same year, General Robert E. Lee's army withdraws from Gettysburg in the Civil War. So while that's going on, the same year, Boise State goes, hey, we're here. We're going to do this. Yeah. 1876. So the the centennial anniversary, not the bicentennial. I remember the bicentennial one. The first public exhibition of electric light in San Francisco. That's come a long ways, hasn't it? Yeah. 1884 on this day, the Statue of Liberty is presented to the United States over in Paris. Yeah. I, I, that is a, a symbol to a lot of people here in the United States as mm-hmm. they come into New York Harbor. 1888, the first organized rodeo take play, takes place in Prescott, Arizona. It's almost like that was the first day we became How a country. How can the first rodeo not be in Wyoming or Utah? Seriously. Arizona. Come Arizona, on. first one. 1895, Catherine Lee Bates publishes America the Beautiful. And they yeah. sang that, uh, they had that song blasting during the fireworks on Saturday night at Stadium of Fire. It was awesome. Yeah. 1919, uh, Latter-day Saint boxer Jack Dempsey beats Jess Willard for the World Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> How many of you knew that Jack Dempsey was, an L- was a Latter-day Saint? I had to Google it and look it up. Like, is, that thought, is, that, is that real? Is that real? And then it's true. And uh, yeah, world champion. Heavyweight champ. It was on this day in 1939, Lou Gehrig became the first Major League Baseball player to have his jersey retired, and then he made his iconic Luckiest Man speech. Yeah. Um, that was on this day. In 18, or 1939, wow. 1942, U.S. begins its air offensive against Nazi Germany. 
That was a big day. 1942. Move ahead to 1964. The Beach Boys, I Get Around, hits number one. Round, round, get around, number one. I get around, yeah. Their harmonies are so great. 1970. America's Top 40 with Casey Kasem debuts in Los Angeles. I remember. I'm Casey Kasem. And I, I listen to that all to the time. Yeah, all the time. So America's Top 40. What a great, what a great DJ. You know what? I, I, the thing that I didn't like with that show is, well, they made it for be like a two-hour show every week. You know, that was their intention. I just wanted to get to the top 10. Wasn't it on Sunday mornings? I think it, I think it was like various so, yeah, places. I, I feel like I would listen to it on Sundays. So America's Top 40. How about July 4th birthdays? So you, you share a birthday with, uh, with the United States, independence. Pretty 1923, cool. Calvin Coolidge, the 30th U.S. president, born on the 4th of July. 1918, Ann Landers, advice column, columnist. Here, here's something I didn't know. Also in 1918, Abigail Van Buren of Dear Abby, born this day. So her twin sister, Ann Landers, did the advice column uh, ask Ann Landers, and then Abigail did Dear Abby. Dear Abby, yeah. Brilliant. And they, then they made a fortune. Yeah, the they twins. made a fortune together, doing the same thing. <laughs> Maybe they passed out. Hey, I did this advice last week. Why don't you try? Yeah. Um, how about 1929? Al Davis, the the managing general partner of the Raiders for all of those years, put together the, the. They had a dynasty there for a while. 1930, a year later, George Steinbrenner with the Yankees, yeah. born on the fourth of July. In 1995, our neighbor. Just to the north here, Post Malone, the singer. He's pretty young, 1995. Post Malone doesn't look like his voice. No. No, he doesn't. Because he looks, he looks kind of like a rapper or he's something. He's got more tattoos than and, any, and any can, man. He can sing his face off. Like, he's a really talented singer. Um, and boy, has he had success. But he lives right here in Utah. Fourth of July deaths. And, and this might strike you as interesting. Yeah. Um, in 1826, on the 4th of July, John Adams, the second U.S. president, died. 1826, Thomas Jefferson. So John Adams was, let's see, Jeff, was Jefferson the third, fifth, fourth? Um, let's see. Jefferson, so, so, Adams was before yeah, Jefferson. I typed that wrong. So I, I think he might have been, I think he might have been third. But did they both die on the same day? Yeah. And both died on July 4th, 1826. Because John Adams followed George Washington. Yeah, and then Jefferson. So they both died on the same day. Yeah. Was Jefferson July right 4th. after Adams? Can't remember. Maybe DJ will Google that. DJ, you know. We should know that. We should know yeah. our history a little All bit. All I know is I, but John, I should have typed John that Adams, like, you just need to go watch Hamilton. And then the king, the, the, the king comes out and sings, and he says, John Adams? That can't be. I know him. Yeah. DJ's coming up with the answer. What? Number... Jefferson's number what for U.S. presidents? We should know this, but I'm thinking it's third. I typed it down wrong. It's either third or fourth. And then, hey, in 1831, James Monroe. What is it about the 4th of July with presidents, U.S. presidents? No. They're, they're, third, they, yeah. Jefferson was so, third. So, so it, go, it goes Washington, Adams, Jefferson. Uh, and so those three U.S. presidents all died on the 4th of July. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That struck me as odd. Wise Guys Inspirational Quote of the Week. We're going to John Adams. We're going to John Adams. The first president feels ever to right. die on July 4th. It feels right. <laughs> he says, what do we mean by the revolution? The war. That was no part of the revolution. It was only an effect and consequence of it. The revolution was in the minds of the people. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Okay, and true. Um, the Revolutionary War was an effect 
of the revolution. And consequence of people wanting a better life. The revolution was a state of mind. Yeah. As a way of thinking. The so. great John Adams. Next week, Lee Kamard, women's assistant basketball coach, will be with us as we launch deeper into the month of July. Podcast will be up tomorrow. Share it with your friends. We remind you, go to wiseguys.com. Subscribe for free. Uh, go to YouTube, our page on YouTube. And that's also for free. And, and click the bell, and you'll get an update when we go hot. There's a lot of free stuff out there, so join us. And what, what is it about free for our friend Vaisinghamma? If it's free, it's for me, and I'll take three. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's the American way right there. For Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann. We hope you have a wonderful 4th of July week, and we'll see you back here again live next Tuesday for Wise Guys. Yep, see you next week. Bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.